0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, a Star Trek podcast told through the lens of leadership development. And now here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. We're going to learn about morale and a framework to improve it while motivating your teams as we watch Season 5, Episode 25 of Deep Space Nine, In the Cards. As we often have to do with Deep Space Nine, there is some needed table setting. We haven't touched on the Dominion as a force yet in this podcast. We'll leave the details of them until episodes that involve them more, but... But for this episode, you need to know that the Dominion are the dominant force in the Gamma Quadrant. The Federation, Klingons, and other Alpha and Beta Quadrant organizations have had various run-ins with them, but, but nothing like, like, like a full-scale war or anything like that has broken out. At this point in the series, there's, there's an almost cold war going on. Skirmishes, battles, kidnappings, a lot of political intrigue, but, but not war. Not yet. We'll encounter a key Dominion character later in this episode, Wayun. Wayun is a Vorda. Vorda can best be described as the, 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 the tactical commanders, the, the diplomats of the Dominion. And we see Wayun in full diplomat mode later on. So with all that, we start off in Sisko's quarters. He's holding a dinner party for the senior staff and, and really just trying his best to raise spirits. But it's apparent his spirits are far too low for him to be able to really cheer anyone up. Understandably, I mean, all anyone can talk about are the three ships that have recently just disappeared along the Cardassian border. Eventually, he just calls it a night and and Worf couldn't be more excited. Mr. Worf, you've been paroled. The party's over. Thank you, sir. Good night. As they're all leaving, he finds out Kai Wynn is dropping by to see him the next day. He, last time, last time we talked about the Bajoran religion, Opaka was the Kai. Some stuff happened. We'll cover later. We're going to turn now to Rome and the very latest on the Pope's startling resignation yesterday. The first time in 600 years a Pope has done this. And now, Winn Adami is Kai. And and she is awesome. Like, by awesome, I mean terrible. Honestly, She's arguably one of the best villains in all of Star Trek. Quark is going to be holding an auction. And Jake, Jake has been invited. One of the lots has an item he is convinced will cheer Cisco up. It's a mint condition Willie Mays rookie card. It's perfect. This is how I can cheer up my dad. You know how much he loves baseball. Willie Mays, the Say Hey Kid, is a Hall of Fame baseball player that played with the Giants in both New York and after they moved to San Francisco. As of the time of this recording, early 2021, that card is worth about $47,000. Jake has a really great line here. He's usually the one who tries to lift everyone's spirits. I mean, people go to him for encouragement. Where does he go when he needs it? This really is the message of this episode. Who cheers up the cheerer upper? Well, we'll talk in detail on this in the command codes. This whole opening segment is great. It paints such a dark and bleak picture of the morale of the crew and the people living on the station. But Jake is gonna drag Nog along with him to try and shine a little light on Deep Space Nine. All I have to do is get him this card. How hard can that be? Well, we're about to find out. If you remember Encounter at Farpoint, And if you don't, honestly, I I don't blame you. But in that episode, Picard made it clear the Federation just doesn't use money, no currency. So Jake, Jake is, well, Jake's broke. But he is so focused on getting this card and on doing something great for his dad. He convinces Nog to front him the latinum. He's got, he's got five bars of it. All that latinum you got stashed under your bed. Shh. Oh, Nog, you don't really keep it under your bed. No, of course not. A little more context here. See, Nog is currently a cadet at Starfleet Academy. And hey, hey, you can be a cadet too if you just head over to our Patreon page. The uh, The link is in the show notes. In fact, he's the first Ferengi ever in the Academy. To get in, he needed to have a sponsor, and he was able to convince Cisco to do that for him. We'll see the story of that in the third season, ultimately in the episode Heart of Stone. Well, Jake, Jake leverages that sponsorship, that relationship between Nog and Cisco, to guilt him into funding his venture. Kai Nguyen shows up and beautifully and quickly just dismisses Kira. You may go now, child. She really is the person you just love to hate. Well she and Cisco walk the promenade. She points out the shops that have closed and, and, and all the people that have left. The Dominion threat. It is, it is very real. So many people have left Deep Space Nine in the last few months. She shares with Cisco that she's going to be meeting with the Dominion on the station at their request. She took the meeting hoping to protect Bajor from, from any hostilities. Cisco agrees that that really that's his goal, too. This this was a this was a very rare moment of agreement between the two. The auction goes the way you would expect in any TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Nog has a strategy that, that that proves to work. Don't worry, he will drop down at two bars. That is until a wild card is introduced. It gets way out of hand, and Jake is about to bid double the amount of money Nog has. Ten bars. The wild card wins the lot and heads out. Nobody wants a wild card, okay? It doesn't make any sense. Jake and Nog go on the chase. He basically blows him off, heads down a turbo lift. Jake obsesses over it and Nog Nog tries to reason with him. I think you've taken this whole baseball card thing way too seriously. It's not the card, it's my dad. This is very important to me. I've gotta say, the relationship between the Ciscos is so good. Like a real shining light in the amazing show that is Deep Space Nine. As this podcast continues, we'll see a lot of flaws in Cisco's captaincy, but, but, but generally, he is, he is a really, really great father. Wayoon arrives. Captain Cisco, I can't tell you how happy I am to see you again. I wish I could say the same. See? Total diplomat. He leads him to meet with Kai Wynn. Nog finds out the person that won the lot is named Dr. Geiger. Geiger has agreed to meet with them. So they walk into his quarters and immediately regret it. He's got this complex machinery, computers set up all through his quarters. He, he explains he is pursuing immortality. His theory is that cells basically just get bored and they give up. They, they, they literally get bored to death. So he's developing a cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber. Death is nothing more than the result of cellular boredom. He agrees to trade the card in exchange for a list of highly specialized and unique supplies. They have no idea how they're gonna get all the stuff, but Jake won't let anything get in his way. That is the goal of my work. Nothing less than immortality itself. Excuse us for a moment, knock. I can't let my father down. They need a special power cell, five liters of anaerobic metabolites suspended in a hydro saline solution and, and a bunch of other stuff. They're really struggling to get the things until, until Nog shares a new strategy. Let me show you a little something about incentive-based economics. <laughs> Great idea. And they get to it. They're going to help others get what they need so that they can get what they need. For example, O'Brien needs help with some EPS regulators so he can go kayaking in the Hollow Suites. Come on, you calibrate, I'll scan. Doctor Bashir wants Kukalaka. That's um, Kukalaka is his teddy bear. Worf, Worf wants his Klingon opera sound files cleaned up, and Kira needs help with a speech. They check in with Doctor Geiger as they progress. He activates a console, which makes a weird humming noise. Do you know what that is? It's the sound of immortality. Which Wayun can hear since he's in the upstairs apartment. I mean, I mean, the quarters right above Geiger's. Takes him some time, but eventually, Jake and Nog get everything on the list. Kai Win meets with Sisko. Wayun is proposing a non-aggression treaty between Bajor and the Dominion. Sisko advises that they don't sign. He says that even though Bajor's not a member of the Federation yet, They will battle to protect them. So she agrees to stall for time. We have to keep Bajor's options open. Jake and Nog return to Geiger with the last of supplies. And he's gone. It looks like no one was ever even there. They then, on their way out, see Kai Win talking with a Vedic. It's actually the person they were bidding against at the beginning of the auction. Seeing this, Jake decides that Kai has kidnapped Geiger to get some of the items in the lot the Vedic was trying to win. Jake gets excited, looks at Nog, and says they're going to beard the lion in its den, meaning he's going to face danger head-on for personal gain. I gotta say, the stuff between Nog and Jake is so good in this. Jake is slipping into total obsession and Nog is trying so hard to be the voice of reason. Lions, Geiger's bears. Oh my! Because you know bearded lion, Geiger, Kukulaka. <laughs> it's so good. When, when, continues along, and she meets with Wayoon. She tells him that she has to meet with the first minister about his proposal, and then sees him off. Jake, Jake, though, intercepts her and accuses her point blank of kidnapping Geiger. Cut to Cisco freaking out. You accuse the Kai? Jake squirms around the truth, and they end up confined to quarters. Dismissed! Wow, that was harsh. Way too much. Like, like he completely crossed the line here, right? Well, yes, but also no. First, Nog is a cadet at Starfleet Academy. Kinda like we discussed in Learning Curve and The Butcher's Knife Cares Not For The Lamb's Cry. The culture of Starfleet Academy can be authoritative and and very military in nature. Very, very boot camp. Sisko's response here is in alignment with how Nog could be expected to be treated were he at the Academy. So, so I can support his behavior there. But, but Jake is his son and isn't even almost in Starfleet Academy. Jake's excuse to not reveal what they were actually doing was that he and Nog had gotten drunk at Quark's. Not a good story there from Jake, but, but I don't agree with this approach. I mean, specifically with a kid that just shared what Jake did, in my opinion, and frankly, the opinions of psychologists, medical and parenting professionals. Cisco's reaction is harmful, even to a person as old as Jake. In fact, Dr. David Sack addressed this in a Psychology Today article that reminds parents the key is to is, is to come from a place of, of love and with a desire for, for health and wellness. Yelling and immediately reacting just, just closes the door on future productive conversations on this topic. I'll, I'll link the article in the show notes. Frustration, even anger, I mean, they're totally understandable. But it's better to just admit that and give yourself some time to to calm down. Maybe something like, "Jake, I'm I'm having a hard time processing that right now. I am I am really frustrated and and I'm getting angrier by the second. Look, I need you to wait in your quarters until we're ready to discuss this. Then you calm down. You collect yourself and you handle it like mature human beings. This is the same behavior that you should use with your teams." There will come a time that a team member will way cross the line. Blowing up at them and yelling will do nothing more than exacerbate the issue and erode trust between you. Admit and share your anger and frustration professionally and then address the behavior when when you can behave in an appropriate manner. Not the best move by Cisco here. As Jake and Nog head to their quarters, they, they get beamed into a room and sitting across from them is Wayoon. This scene is awesome. We- so so Wayoon heard the sound the cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber was making and he stole all the equipment along with Dr. Geiger. See, he believes Jake and Nog are conspiring with Dr. Geiger to somehow hurt the Dominion. I suppose there's also an innocent explanation to the secret meetings you've been having with virtually the entire senior staff of Deep Space Nine. Or that Kai-Win met with you immediately after leaving me? They protest their innocence, but but yoon threatens violence. And seeing no other option, <laughs> Jake tells a story about being part of Starfleet Intelligence. Working for Starfleet Intelligence. Oh no. Nog is sitting there just squirming, freaking out silently. But it works. wei sees how ridiculous the story is. I believe you. You do? Yes. That is, I believe, your first story. He gives Jake the card and then just lets him leave. In his log, Cisco notes that morale is up and the senior staff are generally happy and optimistic even though the galaxy is still spiraling into a dumpster fire. He shares a lesson his father taught him. Even in the darkest moments, you can always find something that'll make you smile. Jake gives him the baseball card. He grabs him, gives him a big hug as we fade to credits. I love this episode. I love everything about it, well, except maybe the lack of depth in leadership lessons, but but we're in good shape there. There's uh there's still some really good stuff. This episode works because of the characters. Most of the cast have just, you know, really small parts. In fact, Dax isn't even in the episode. But the stories they tell are real and they have substance because as we near the end of season five and the beginning of all-out war, we we know these people. O'Brien's passion for kayaking was a part of him way back on TNG. What happened to you? I was kayaking on the holodeck again. The Kukulaka story was great and touching because we know Bashir. And while he's the last person in the world that you would imagine having a teddy bear, he's also exactly the person that would have a teddy bear. Jake and Nog's relationship is the centerpiece. They have great chemistry, and I, and I think we can all relate to this situation, right? Like, we've all had that time when a friend was getting way too obsessed with something, and everyone ends up getting in just a little more trouble than maybe they should have. This was really fun. But it's also a highlight of that challenge childhood friendships all face. Their lives are diverging. Nog wants to be a Starfleet officer, while Jake is still living a carefree life and and focusing more and more on his writing. In fact, as the series progresses, this episode, in my opinion, marks an important evolution in their relationship, where where they're going to stick together, but their motivations are, are starting to separate. Deep Space Nine aired in an interesting time in TV. The concept that there was more to a villain than just being evil was really starting to gain acceptance. As a point of fact, this episode aired in June of 1997. Just a year prior, in June of '96, Stone Cold Steve Austin won the King of the Ring tournament launching the era of the anti-hero. Talk about your psalms. Talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. DS9 really embraced this. The big bads through the series, Kai Win, Gul and later Damar, are complex individuals that, that all have endearing moments, if, if not endearing qualities as well. In this episode, we see two of them. Weiyun and Kai Win. And while we know they're the bad guys, we can also sympathize with them and even appreciate what they do. Kai Wen is scared. She's worried about her people. She seeks out the one man she envies more than anyone else, the emissary, Benjamin Sisko, and authentically asks for his advice and and follows it. Like there's a totally Plausible version of this, where she publicly asks his advice and then does the opposite, twisting it around to somehow make Cisco look bad. The Dominion is notorious for its political intrigue. Oh, I have some experience in that area as well. But she doesn't. She takes his advice because she wants what she believes to be the best for her world, which includes its protection from the threat of the Dominion. And Weyoun, who is portrayed by the masterful Jeffrey Combs, is great. He's slimy, political, an outright manipulator. But when the cards are all on the table, he listens and he and he does the right thing. Cisco represents the enemy to him. He represents the Federation. But even with that, he gives Jake the baseball card to help brighten Cisco's day. Command codes verified. Have you ever gone to work and immediately regretted it, sat at your desk or logged into a virtual meeting and just felt your life force drain out of your body. General, there's been a breach. We need your password so we can lock down the system. Okay. I, H, A, T, E, M, Y, J, O, B, 1. I hate my job, 1. I know I have. And, and frankly, if you haven't, you have not been doing this long enough yet. Times like that are hard to get through, but but they're not unexpected. I almost said normal there, but really we should not normalize these occasions. They're an indication that something is wrong or some things are wrong. Generally speaking, when everything is going as planned and great, at worst, you might get bored. Uh, Getting kind of bored. But like the crew in this episode, when things are falling apart, it can be hard to even show up. When you're the leader of a team, one of your duties is to motivate the team, or more accurately, to create environments in which people can choose to be motivated. This often means spending time with people, hearing their problems, and working with them towards solutions. I know I find myself often putting a new coat of paint on something that, that, that just isn't going that great. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support the ongoing production of this podcast. Years ago, we implemented a new software system for processing payments. It was objectively a total failure, but we were invested. No going back. Now, I didn't lie to my team or try to make them think everything was fine, but I would try to put a positive angle on things. We had to live with this. We might as well smile while we swim through burning oil just to get smacked in the face for doing it, you know? And that's what Cisco does. That's what Jake is talking about at the beginning of the episode. He, he helps keep people in a positive space. He often does this by keeping them connected to the mission and by actively listening and participating in conversations with his team. He often does this by keeping them connected to the mission and by actively listening and participating in conversations with his team. But where does he go when he needs that same encouragement? Where does he refill his paint can so he can keep that dumpster fire looking decent? Or, more to the point, where do you go? As a leader, no, no, as a person, we need this in our lives. A support system or a support team, a safe place to vent and to be encouraged. And that, that doesn't need to necessarily be like in your chain of command. I mean, Cisco's son did it for him here, but it's critical that you have a place you can go, a person you can talk to. A great way to do this is to find a mentor, someone who has been there before. A mentor not only listens, but also helps guide problem solving so you can be more successful and maintain a healthy level of morale. A mentor doesn't necessarily have to be someone in your organization. In fact, in my experience, it's ideal to have a mentor that's at least outside of your reporting structure. That helps create a safe place where you can be authentic and as transparent as possible without compromising anyone's trust. Set up regular check-ins with them. Define your goals and what you hope to achieve with them. And leave space in your relationship so they can help you... Keep your nose above water in those times when you can't even imagine showing up to work. A really cool thing happened in this episode. Jake had to go on a journey to do something for his dad. I mean, this could have been a short segment across two acts and just have been a moment in Deep Space Nine. Jake wins the auction, gives the card to Cisco, and he's happy about it. Episode continues with some other story. Instead, though, Jake and Nog had to help others along the way. Nog's concept of incentive-based economics was an excellent framework for this. As a leader, and especially as a manager, this framework is worth its weight in gold-pressed latinum. It's not about a monetary exchange. It's about helping a person get or achieve what they want so they can give you what you want. Like here, they need some weird medical stuff from Bashir. Bashir wants his teddy bear back. Kukalaka. so they sneak into lita's room more on lita in future episodes they get Kukalaka, return him to bashir he is over the moon excited and happily gives them the anaerobic gel stuff you can directly apply this with your teams you're the manager right you want to maximize the efficiency from a team member but what do they want like really want We've talked in earlier episodes about the fact most people feel rewarded when they know their work matters and when they're working on something they care about or are interested in. So talk to them. Find out what those things are and then do them. You will get amazing things from your team and for your organization. I was talking recently with a colleague that works for one of our partners they were sharing they have an employee that they're they've really been struggling with they you know mostly come to work and basically do the absolute bare minimum and that that was a good day for them they were saying that this employee was good had had real potential but just th- th- my colleague just couldn't seem to motivate them to do their job well or or even consistently so they took what they called a strength-based approach where you learn the person's strengths their interests and then try to position it so they can do that work as much as possible. Hmm, sounds kind of like incentive-based economics, right? You follow? What they did was they asked the person what they wanted to do, where their interests were. They shared they're working on their degree in education, and they want to teach. And it just so happened, this organization is heading into a substantial systems and policy change that's going to require intense really effective training. And just to add to the beauty of the situation, my colleague was also responsible for building the team to develop and deliver that training. So they reassigned the person to that team, and since then, they have been thriving. Now, not every situation you find yourself in will fit as well as this one. But when you can find out what is truly important to a person, and you can find opportunities to connect them to what is important to them, Nog's Law of Incentive-Based Economics, or a Strength-Based Approach, will pay off in a big way. Here, Jake and Nog worked to connect people to what was important to them. And on that journey, they improved the morale of everyone they helped. The goal was to help Cisco, but they helped everyone to get there. If you follow that Strength-Based or Incentive-Based Economic Model, you might be able to do the same. When we were growing up, my brother was obsessed with baseball cards. Tops, Fleer, Upper Deck. (laughs) If you know, you know. What were you into as a kid? Do you have any great collectibles? More importantly, do you happen to have a mint condition Willie Mays rookie card that you might want to donate to the Starfleet Leadership Academy? (laughs) Let me know! We're on Twitter at SFLA Podcast, or you can just follow me at Jeff T. Aiken, Jeff, T as in teddy bear, A-K-I-N. And I'd like to ask a favor. If you have enjoyed the Starfleet Leadership Academy, please tell a friend or a colleague about it. And hey, leave a review in your podcatcher. I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's see what we're going to watch next time. Oh, wow. I I knew this day would come. We will meet Loki and Beale in the 15th episode of the third season of the original series. Let that be your last battlefield. If you don't remember this iconic episode, it's the one with the two people that are half black and half white. On one side and white on the other. I am black on the right side. If I remember correctly, there are some really valuable lessons in this one, on top of the very obvious commentary on the ridiculousness of racism. I always enjoy going back to the original series episodes, and I hope you will too. But until then, ex astra scientia! Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.